My prayer is that at the end of tonight, that we will become more and more word chasers, that we will be a people that dive into the word. And like David said, I delight in your word daily, that we will be those kind of people, that we will pursue God throughout our lives and it will be visible and that we will not be people that easily gets deceived. So I'm a little bit nervous tonight because I'm calling something out. And in a sense, that's like picking a fight. If you call something out, especially against an enemy as clever and beautiful as Satan. My prayer is that we will be the people that God is shaping that will be able to stand in the end times and run hard in pursuit of him. Guys, Jesus is coming back for a pure bride, not one with some blemishes, not one that's built on lies, but a pure and spotless bride. And it's our heart that that's you, at least part of it. That's our heart. Is that your heart? Is that you? All right. So I have a lot of information to go through, and my idea is not to just convey information. So let's see how this, how this goes. I want to st start with a question. Have you ever been scammed? Okay, that's a good indication. Internet scams, all kinds of lies and deception. I think most of us have, especially with internet these days, it's such an easy way to, to get scammed. How did that make you feel? Not good, right? You've probably lost something, been taken advantage of in some way. Chris, can you throw up some of the, well, throw up the first picture there for us, please. Okay, I don't know if you can see that well. That's a bag of toys. And it says, the label is World Dinosaur. And if you look closely, there are two cats, another cat and a dog. And a wolf, I think. Can you guys see that? Okay. Next one, please. Okay, this is the back of a Hershey's syrup bottle. All right? And it's plus calcium. That's the, that's the pitch. So... You know, they say sweet stuff is bad for you, but you're going to get calcium here, so it's good for your teeth and your bones, right? That little red circle in the ingredients says calcium, 0%. <laughs> Next one, Chris. Musical instrument. I don't have to say any more about that. I guess it makes a noise. Okay, next one, please. I like, this is my favorite one. This is a row packaged with a label with a picture of a guy rock climbing or mountain climbing. You see that, right? And the fine print says, not suitable for climbing. <laughs> Is there another one, Chris? No, okay, hide that for later, okay, cool. But that's how deception works. Somebody wants to take advantage of you and they pitch something as attractive and it's not, the truth is not that. So, I don't know about you, but 
one of my biggest fears, if somebody has to ask me what's my biggest fear, it will be deception. Because the, the, the danger of deception is you, you're deceived. You don't know that you don't know. You do not know that you are wrong or that you are missing something. Because if you're wrong, you can know, okay, I'm wrong. But if you're deceived, you don't think you're wrong. So that's the danger in this. In Jude 3, Jude verse 3, there's no chapters in Jude. Short letter. He, he writes, firstly he says he wants to write about the gospel. And then he says, yeah, to write to you about the salvation we all share. Now I find that I must write about something else. So there's an urgency, okay? I need to urge you to defend the truth of the good news. God gave this unchanging truth once for all time to his holy people. So he's compelled to contend for their faith. The true gospel that's given once for all time. It's given. We know what it is. Nothing gets added. There's no new revelation. That's it. And he felt, Jude there felt the need in the first century that he needed to contend to that, even though he wanted to talk about other stuff. Because Satan is deceptive. And even there, he was deceptive. And he's using the same tactics today to deceive us. So I want to start with a historic event, which was really a pity. Genesis 3, verse 1 to 6. All right. Now the serpent, which was Satan, was the shrewdest of all creatures the Lord had made. And then he sows doubt. Really? If, somebody, if you make a statement and somebody goes and says, really? What does that mean? It means your statement is challenged. It sows doubt. Just that word. Did God really say, you must not eat any of the fruit in the garden? He sows doubt. And then she responds confidently. Of course. And it goes on. And I think you all know the story. Okay, let, let, let's rather read it I'll, I'll, at the expense of taking longer. Of course we may eat it, the woman told him. It's only the fruit from the tree at the center of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. So she knows the rules. God says we must not eat it or even touch it or we will die. Here comes the lie. You won't die, at least not immediately. God knows that your eyes will be opened when you eat it. You will become just like God, knowing everything, both good and evil. The woman was convinced. And then she looked at what's in front of her. The fruit looked so good, so fresh and delicious, and it would make her so wise. So she ate some of the fruit. That sin led to Adam's sin of apathy, also eating the fruit, which is the fall of man. But it started with doubt being sowed. And then she saw, in a doubting stage, then she saw the fruit, she was convinced, and then she thought, yeah, this looks pretty good, and she went with what was in front of her, what looked nice at the time. And how often, when Satan gets hold of us, we get slightly deceived, and then we make a decision based on what we see in front of us. No, this looks like a lacquer thing to do. This looks nice. Okay, I will do that. And we, we kind of justify doing stuff like that. 
So what happened there? I mean, this is the worst thing. This is the fall of, this is the fall of man. What, what happened there? How did Satan get that, get that done? He questioned God's authority. Really? He sows doubt. And then he showed her what is attractive. We live in a generation where doubt gets celebrated. If you are the one and you, you, you hear news of something, the skeptics go, eh, I don't know, I'm not so sure about that. Of course, if it's fake news, that's a good thing to do. But if you hear something, if somebody, somebody gives a statement about the, about the word, the Lord, like God created the heavens and the earth. Eh, I don't know, if you look at the laws of physics, eh, and you sound clever, you know, you know, maybe the speed of light is, was slower then. I don't know, maybe it was. I know nothing about that, but it sounds pretty clever, you know. So questioning things, and it's good to have an inquiring mind. God gave us that. But to question and to doubt things, that can be dangerous. Doubt gets celebrated as a sign of maturity, that you're actually applying your mind and your educatedness then helps you to make a better decision. And if there's an absolute, you guys know what an absolute is? It's like Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the heaven besides me, without, except through me. That's an absolute. There's no other way. So our generation says, well, maybe, and so is doubt. Or they're doubting. You know, there shouldn't be absolute. You can't be so strict. You know, and people then start saying, well, there are no absolutes could then say, well, are you absolutely sure? You know? But the first sin came from doubt. Romans 14 verse 23 says, anything not done in faith is sin. So it's natural to doubt about things, but how you work that through, you must be careful about. So what Satan did there is, okay, he lied. He's the great deceiver. And a few weeks ago we had a there was a message um, that I brought about Satan being the deceiver. Do you guys remember that? That he, how he lies to us and how he dangles what we want. I don't really want to talk about that now. But he, what he did is, he didn't just tell her a blatant lie. He took the truth and he added a bit of a lie. Did you guys see that? So he just twisted the truth. It looked like the truth. It looked like he actually clarified what God said. He said, oh, you will not die. This will happen, that will happen. So he mixed a lie into the truth. And if you're not savvy, if you're not careful, if you're not rooted in the word, then you can get, get caught out like that. You know, that's the same way that we kill rats. If you use rat poison to kill rats, Chris, can I get that picture, please? That's a rat poison label. What do you think is in rat poison? Yaku, what's in rat poison? Food. Good answer. At the bottom right there, it says active ingredient. Bromadiolone or something. Okay, it's some bromide. 0.005%. Other ingredients. 99.995% good food. Okay? Look at that ratio. It's deadly, but it's mostly, mostly good food. Otherwise, rats just won't eat it. Okay? 
the active ingredient that kills them is 0.005%. And that is what Satan does. It takes good food, the word, and adds a little bit of a lie in it and twists it and makes us think, oh, we're having a good meal now. But just like rats, we die. Do you know that poisoning, this is interesting, poisoning is still the number one unintentional death cause in the U.S., Probably here as well. I don't have stats for South Africa. Poisoning is still the unintentional death, so you get it in by accident. In ancient times, poisoning was the most popular form of killing. In these days, it can be traced pretty easily, so you can say, okay, this person did this and they bought it there, so it's not so popular anymore. But before forensic science was there, people, could, people did that. In the 19th century, so in the 1800s, it was in its heyday where arsenic was freely available. And especially ladies killed with arsenic. It was easy to get, easy to do, difficult to trace. It was the most popular form of killing. Poison works. Satan knows it. He still does it. The same thing he did with Eve, he does with us. He mixes a bit of truth in. False teachers of today, mostly truth that they speak, but they twist it slightly. And that's the danger. 2 Timothy 4 verse 3 warns us of this. A time is coming when people will no longer listen to right teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever they want to hear. They will reject the truth and follow strange myths. And the next verse says, keep a clear mind in every situation. Do we believe that we can be deceived? Because if you do, that's pretty good because then you, you're looking out. If you think that you're well-educated, you probably are well-educated, but you could also become deceived. If you think that you can't be deceived, that's probably the first step towards deception. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Guys, I'm going to throw out a lot of scriptures. Um, you can get the notes if you want to. So, I cut this thing. Nikkei helped me slaughter this preach. Yo, I cut two-thirds of it away. Lean not on your own understanding. We cannot beat Satan. He's too smart. He's too strong. We do not stand a chance. We cannot. It's only with Jesus that we can. And then it's not us doing anything. It's him doing everything and we're hiding in him. We cannot. We're not strong enough. We're not smart enough. We have to love the truth more than loving being correct. If you love your own opinion, rather go for the truth than your own opinion. If you look at a newspaper, like if you look at the Sunday Times today and the, of the rugby score lot yesterday, I mean, that was a good score, right? Isaiah. That score, what was it, 43-10? 12, was it another kick? Yeah, sorry, sorry. Anyway, that score, is it truth? Is it truth? Yeah. We saw it, we saw the match, we saw the score, just printed today, it's truth. You know, if the weather prediction said it's going to rain today, they were right. It's truth. So normally, the newspaper, apart from fake news, obviously, but 
normally it's kind of true. You know, you can say, this is truth. And if somebody writes a book about something, a factual or a paper, it's normally true. That does not mean you must live your life accordingly. Because it's not God-inspired. It's just true. It's good that it's true, but it's not God-inspired. That's what only the Bible is. I mean, some books are blatantly false, and we'll touch on that a little bit. But some might be true, but it's not God-inspired. I've got lots of info here about how unique the Bible is, how it's been written, how God orchestrated everything. It's the book that started the publishing industry in 1544, I think. 1455. It's the most translated, most quoted book. People died for it. We can trust it. I'm actually not going to go into that. We'll use that another time to speak about how awesome the Bible is because I can't just say it in five minutes. For now, trust me, it's an awesome book. Um, it's still, since its start, it's still the bestseller in the world every year. The most translated. Okay, I'll stick to this. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It's God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. So that's enough. The word is enough. That's what it says. It prepares us in every way. So if you use the Bible, you will be prepared in every way if you use it right. And you will become fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. So you might get equipped to do something God doesn't want you to do with some other form of instruction. It's our responsibility to stick to the true gospel. Do you know why in court, when you, get, when you get sworn in, what do you say? I promise to speak the truth, the whole truth, and LA law, come. Nothing but the truth. Thank you. Because, yeah, because if you take away, if you don't tell all the truth, you tell a half truth. So it's, it's like saying, all apples are fruit, therefore all fruit are apples. And nothing but the truth. So you don't add anything and you don't take anything away from the truth. That's why you say, that's why you say it like that. When Satan confronted Jesus, he used scripture, legit scripture, to try and deceive and trap Jesus. He didn't lie. So you can use scripture, you can use the word against God. Against these purposes, Satan can use it. He doesn't even have to twist it. Sometimes he doesn't even have to add a line to it. Jesus also uses scripture correctly and he confronts and rebukes Satan because he knew how to use it. So it's important to know how to use it. I want to touch a little bit on false teachers and a deception. You're going to have to trust me with this, but there's in Deuteronomy, in Proverbs, in Matthew, in Revelation... It says over and over, do not add anything to the word, do not remove anything from the word. I want to read, I want, you can go research that, but I want to tell you the one in Revelation 22, 18 to 19. It's the second last verse in the Bible. So it's right at the end, and it refers back to the word. And it says, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. If, okay. And if anyone remove any of the words of this prophetic book, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life. So you'll be in trouble. 
Nothing should be added, nothing should be taken away. Unfortunately, these days, in social media, in books, bookstores, all kinds of books, people add things to make it maybe more palatable, to water it down, or to sound more popular, whatever their reasons are. And that's dangerous. So we have to be savvy. We have to know what is truth, and we'll be okay. Have you ever heard of the progressive Christianity movement? Anyone? Good, if you haven't. If you haven't, it's good. Don't worry about it. It sounds smart, eh? Progressive Christianity. It's a legit movement. You don't have to go look at it. It's a deceptive cult. They have a lot of values. There's just lies. Um, I'm just going to touch on one of them. And that truth, what they believe is a truth is, they believe God, and, God loves and accepts me the way that I am. Therefore, everybody is included in his kingdom. And they proclaim that. What is that? That is deceptive. That is a truth. God loves me. He does love me the way I am. The full truth is, he doesn't leave me the way I am. He sanctifies me and redeems me, and I will be saved. I've been saved, I'm getting saved, I will be saved. That's the truth. That's what he says in his word. In Hebrews 10, Romans 6, it's all there. I think you guys know that. But that's what they, what they will tell you. I want to jump to a few more. This is, I'm not, in this message, I'm not trying to attack um, other groups and people because our fight is not against flesh and blood. I just want to make you aware of this kind of stuff. That it's out there everywhere and it's quite pervasive. Work it through with your leaders. If you're wobbling with what I'm saying, let's talk. Let's talk and we can really show you. This is, look at this, look at this. So I hope I didn't lose a lot of people there. And like That's it, I'm not listening to Jog. Rather come and the right way thing to do is to come and talk to us about that's how you process. If you hear something you don't like or you strongly disagree with, it's not like, fine, I'm out of here. No. Hey, I, I'm not sure I agree with what you said. Can we have a coffee? Can we chat about it? And I'll be, yes, absolutely. Let's talk. Let's see what's up. One, another theologian has proclaimed and de declared that hell is actually a state of mind. It is not a place you go to because of sin. That it's a caricature, that it's just the absence of, of God. Now, it's true that God will not be in hell. Okay, so it is hell to be absent from God or for God to be absent from you. That is truth. But it's what is the full truth is that if you sin and you don't repent, you will go there. That is the truth. This theologian, sorry, let me just get back. This theologian says hell is apart from God, is being apart from God, living a self-centered life. So in this life, if you are living selfishly, you in hell, that state of mind without God. That is what is proclaimed. All right. Who of you have heard of the theologian Tim Keller? He said that. It's on, the web, it's on a website. I couldn't believe it. I checked it. So, I mean, check it if you want. But you think, you, you think it's a good theologian. No, I can just, I can read what he says. And then you check it again and he says something like that. It's deceptive. Be careful. 
It's, it's on the internet. I found it in three seconds. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3 says, this is Paul writing to the Corinthians, and he's concerned for them. But I fear that you will be led away from your pure and simple devotion to Christ. It's pure and it's simple. It's straightforward. It's not complicated. It's not fancy. It's not going to be added to. Just as Eve was deceived by the serpent. How was she deceived? Truth mixed with a lie, sowing doubt. You seem to believe whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach about a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different spirit. You put up with it easily enough. What are the teachings that we put up with easily enough? The things we read on Facebook, the preachers we look at on, on YouTube. Because let's face it, it's easier to sit back on our couch, press YouTube, and listen to somebody, normally from America, preach a message, and you can just like, Oh, I'm just soaking in the Lord and you're getting this preach. Easier than paging through the word. Okay, Lord, where are you taking me? What are you showing me? I want to delight in your word. Okay, I need to see what I need to skip here. Mm, I'm actually going to touch on this. Often we misuse scriptures. Romans 2 verse 4. Have you, have you ever heard about the Lord say, or the Bible says, His kindness leads us to repentance. Hmm? Can I get a response? Has anybody ever read that? Okay. Interaction is always encouraging for the speaker. Thank you. Okay. His kindness leads us to repentance. And when we, when we read that, you think, so if God is kind to me, I'm going to feel compelled to repent. Right? His kindness. Because our definition of, being, of kindness is being looked after, being loved, being cared for, right? Okay. No? Thank you. It is cold. I get it. Read the rest of that verse. Don't you realize how kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? The last sentence. Can't you see how kind he has been in giving you time to return from your sin? So what is his kindness? His kindness is that you're not dead yet. We're not dead yet. We're still alive. We can still repent. We can still go, oh, Lord, forgive us and turn to him. That's his kindness. Not our circumstances. Oh, I'm so nice and warm in a house. or I've, I've children and I have a job and the Lord is so nice to me. His grace is amazing. Those things can all be true, but maybe it's not. And he's still kind to us. Why? Because you still have a heartbeat. That's how he's kind to us. So to every person in this building, he is being kind to. Because you're still alive. That's his kindness. His kindness stops at some point. It stopped for every person that's ever died. It even stopped on Enoch. He just took him. There's another scripture. I'm pushing the time a bit. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, I can give Sparta. I can give all things, you know. Okay? It, has, it, it smacks of achievement, right? I can overcome. I can, I can finish this marathon. I can do the Ironman, you know. It doesn't speak about personal achievement. It doesn't speak about prosperity. It speaks about perseverance. Read the context of the scripture. It's about enduring suffering. 
The right word is not do. The right word is endure. I can endure all things. If you read it like that, you're okay, Lord. It's very different. So you try and do all things, and then you, you try and run the comrades because you can do all things, then you don't run the comrades. Oh, Lord, you lied. Satan loves that. Lisa, I see you nodding. How many times have you tried? Uh -huh. Good interpretation of Scripture. You look at the verse. The verse gets interpreted by the chapter of that book. The chapter by the book and the book by the whole Bible. That's the context in which you must interpret Scripture. Not just take one verse out and see what that means to us in our language. Satan loves doing that. Yeah, stick it on your fridge, bumper sticker, t-shirt. How's this? How's this for a lie? People love separating faith and science. Have you ever noticed that? Chris, can you throw up that one picture, please? Look at that. This is the headline. Faith versus fact. Why science and religion are incompatible. This is a mainstream article. So I don't even know what it says, but the headline pictures science versus religion. Okay? Can you see that? Can I get the next one, Chris? Science versus religion. They pitch it as pick a side. Pick science, pick logic thinking, pick sense, or pick religion. It's a versus. So before anything is said in your mind, that, is, that deception is already there. That you can't be scientific and have faith. That, that's the underlying thing. In actual fact, science is the study of God's creation. Right? Science agrees with the Bible. A whole other talk. Go check Creation Ministries International if you... Actually, you can't know. Hey. Sorry. Science agrees with the Bible, but most scientists don't because of that kind of deception. Another interesting... So I'm just throwing out some examples that, that challenge our thinking, okay? We all know the four Gospels, right? In the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Have you heard that there are other Gospels? Have you heard of them? Like the Gospel of Judas. Have you heard of that? So I've spoken to people, oh, I want to read the Gospel of Judas. It's not in the Bible, but, you know, it must be really good. Guess when the Gospel of Judas was written? 200 years after Jesus. It wasn't written by Judas. It's not the Gospel of Judas. It's the Gospel of an imposter to deceive. It's a legit fact. It was written 200 years after. It was to, the writer was trying to give an, a different twist on the gospel and make Judas the hero. Acts 20 verse 29. I know full well that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you. Okay? So that's like among us. Not like from the one side. No, amongst us. After I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some of you will distort, some of you will distort the truth in order to gain a following. So, there's a recognition of the photographer at the bottom. Um, that's the picture that Paul had. Vicious wolves. 
Not in a pack of those things. Not like cute and cuddly, okay, I disagree, you know, I didn't get likes on Facebook. No, vicious wolves will come amongst you. And if, I don't know if you've seen, I didn't want to put a picture up of them hunting, but if you have seen how they hunt, it is a mess. It is vicious. And that's the picture that Paul's bringing here. They will come in amongst us with deception and rip us apart. So this is a warning. Like, be careful of that. Do not be deceived. Trust in the word. Follow the word. Okay, thanks, Chris. It's enough. You're scaring the children. Okay, thank you. Okay. So, in the light of this deception, false theology, false teachings, twisting of scripture, lack of pure devotion, we've been asked by Andrew, who leads Jostian, as you know, Andrew Silly, and he, he felt this prophetically, that under the leading of God, that we close down, as a congregation, we close down the avenues of external input. So we close the doors to outside doctrine. For all of us, it's not easy to just, okay, we'll chew the food, swallow the meat, spit out the bones. Have you heard that saying? You know? No, just, no, we will, we will listen to this preach from some guy, and if it's not cool, I will just, not, I will just reject what, he, what I don't like, you know? You might be able to do that, but even if you swallow one bone, it can kill you. And that's a dangerous game to play. Andrew knows that, and the leadership team knows that. So for this season, because deception is so rife, they've asked, asked us to close the doors on outside input. We need apostolic direction, correction, because deception is deceptive. We cannot tell when it happens. So we believe that the Lord is asking us to eat meat that's been deboned by our leaders from our table, that as a family we eat around our table and not other tables. Does it make sense what I'm saying? Okay. What does it mean for us? We're believing that this is in line with the Holy Spirit. So to, in simply put, not to listen to voices outside of Josh Jen, what's preached here, what's preached in the other Josh Jens, and preached in 412. If you know the 412 app and website, there's a lot of information on there. There's a lot of messages, a lot of preachers. And that, the leadership can say, listen to that. It's good. We can vouch for that. We know the people who wrote it and who spoke it. God's also been challenging me on doing that. Because it's easy to just, as I said, sit back and listen to a preach. But we have so much internal stuff. We get messages on a Sunday. We have information on, on gatherings. You know, at the end of the month, there's another gathering with a significant apostolic message. We have conference times. We spoke about the conferences happening. All that stuff gets recorded. It's all online for the past lot of years. You can get so much information. We have series and all kinds of resources. If you look at that, all kinds of training. There's more than we can handle already. So if we go outside of that, we're actually watering that down, and that's done for nothing. We're wasting it. We're not being faithful with what we've been given. So for me, for, my, for myself, what I need to do is I firstly need to receive what the leaders have prepared for me because they've prepared for it for me under God. 
and then for me to go through it and then wait on God to digest what's been said. No, oh, I heard that preach. It was good, eh? Sure, it was good. No, digest what it said. Make your own notes about it. Pray about it. Make it your own truth. Own the truth and then live it out. That's, the, that's what we're supposed to do to be, if we're faithful with what is served, what we get. There's, a, there's already too much for us to handle. So if we, if we try and eat from other tables, we're actually wasting what's on our table. My mom always told me, yes, I'll sit and you sell your course eat. Yeah? Imagine if I got up and went to another table. Woo! Okay. Even, even how you receive my message now may indicate what your posture is towards deception. It might expose deception. Often we hold our own opinions too, too highly. You know, the Lord says, His ways are infinitely higher, says in Isaiah. How's this? And this was an edgy one. Even prophetic words that you receive from a good messenger, internal, can cause deception. Okay, how? In the way that you receive it and how you respond to it. As an example, okay, this is an example. So you get a preacher saying, oh, I feel in the Lord, God will make you a watchman. Amado, I feel the Lord, in the Lord, God will make you a watchman over people, especially even over leaders. So you will be the backstop. You will be the one, the, the watchman on the wall. And if, if something is taught, you will pick up if, it's, if, it's, if there's cracks in it. Okay? It's a cool word. You know, you're like, okay, wow, thank you, Lord. You've made me a watchman. And that may all be true. And he might be using you for that. And he might use you in that, for that in the future. But what does that do also? If you receive it wrong, or if you hold it too highly, you become critical of anything that's said from you. You become critical of any apostolic message, any word that gets sent. Get, yeah, get, get any input because you're the watchman and you, God has given you discernment. It's just an example. See, okay? But be careful of even those things like prophetic words. Guys, we're following Andrew the way he follows Christ and he's feeling this for us. He's feeling this prophetically. And this is for a season. It's not a media blackout, you know? It's actually, he's closing a door, but he's really widening the other and showing us what we do have, especially in the word. If you're struggling with this, let's talk about it. Don't just go, okay, yeah, me. Just like nobody knows I'm watching YouTube or desiring God. John Piper is not bad. John Piper is good. I can say that with, with faith. I don't think he says anything bad. But John Piper is not responsible for us. And he's not accountable to the Lord for us and our walk. It's not a biblical model. And we're not accountable to him that we do what he says. Because we're not in his church. We're not in his field. We're accountable to our leaders. And our leaders are accountable to God for what is said. So they do that with reverence. That's how it works. That's a biblical model. So we, we, need to, we need to do that. Can we make mistakes? Absolutely. 
can John Piper make mistakes? Yes, sorry to say. Don't know that he has, but yes. Is the word fallible? No. So let's stick to the word. Is that okay? Let's not get confronted with now with, oh, this is a boundary and you're not allowing us to do something, you're controlling us. Let's focus on, wow, we're refreshing what is available to us. Mervis told me this. He says, this season holds a beautiful invitation. Imagine, an open Bible, cup of coffee, a deep conversation with the Holy Spirit. As you sit and you look at his scriptures and he takes you on a journey through it. Fresh encounters with the beautiful Father. He longs to speak to us directly through his word. Not through a daily internet devotional. I see this a lot on the groups and so on. And please don't get offended now. But people send daily devotionals all the time. If you wrote that yourself, thank you. If you got sent that or, or scrolled to that and like, hey, this is nice. I'm going to send this because I have a friend that could use it. Be careful. You don't know where that comes from. If it's just a scripture, okay, if it's really just a scripture. But normally it's not just a scripture. It's all kinds of elaborations and you don't know the source. Be careful of daily devotionals that get sent around. Stick to scripture. If it's a daily scripture, yes. If it's a good translation. If God wanted to, we could have been born with the word in our minds and our hearts. You could have had the whole Bible on your tongue. You could have known everything. You have cells doing incredible things. You have a nervous system. You have a brain. You have incredible systems running. Your body knows how to breathe, how to digest food, how to beat your heart, how to everything. You don't even think about it. Do you think God couldn't put his truth, his whole word into your heart? He could have done that. Why didn't he? Because he wants us to pursue him. He wants us to seek him out. His word says, if you search me with all your heart, I will let you find me. He wants to be pursued. David in Psalm 1 verse says, says they delight in the law of the Lord meditating on it day and night. God wants us to delight in his word, meditating on it day and night. He gave us a lifetime to pursue him and consistently grow. He wants us to grow. Imagine if you, if you're husband and wife and you're sitting around a, a dinner table, a romantic evening, and the wife has a, your wife has a picture of you on the table, little round table, and she looks at the picture and goes, oh, wow, you're beautiful. I like you. It's this little picture. And the husband, your husband is sitting right next to you. And he's like, I'm right here. Hello. And you're looking like, no, picture. You're looking at a copy. You're looking at a, at a reproduction. It could be, it's, it's, it's your husband. But he's sitting right there. You can engage with him. You can interact with him. How would that feel? How does God feel? Because that's what we do. When we look at like, things like his word, but not his word. 
Do we live according to quotes of people or do we live according to Bible verses? Lee, last week you preached about desiring maturity and what it looks like. And it was good. This is what that is. This is what that is, to be steadfast. Not that we can't be deceived. If we, if we start thinking that, we're probably deceived. But that we know where to find the truth and we stick to it. Merv, can you ask him? Guys are doing well, eh? In the beginning I said this. God is shaping a people that will stand in the end times, that will run hard in pursuit of him. Jesus is coming back for a pure bride. He says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. That is truth, only through Jesus. If you had only one child, say you had, a, you had only one child, and then you choose to sacrifice that child for people, would you do that as just another way to save those people? If there were other ways those people could be saved, would you kill your child if there was already another way, or if there was going to be another way, think about it. For those of you that have children, I mean, I wouldn't even kill my child for it, but you guys are safe. But, <laughs> but think about that. God the Father chooses to have Jesus tortured and killed. He's, he's, he's risen, he's alive now, but he got tortured and killed for us. If there was any other way, do you think God would have done that? There's no way. That's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me.